Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for February 27th of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHits.com. We've got a trade deadline recap. Some teams, you know, got their business taken care of uh, before the deadline. Other teams made it all the way to 3 p.m. until they snuck in another shitty trade. I can't imagine <laughs> who we're talking about there. Um, Penguins almost made it out of the trade deadline. Uh, pretty good. Not doing anything. Probably would have been great. Uh, but uh, old Jimmy can't go through a deadline without making some kind of deal. So it might as well be the worst one of the day if you're going to do it. So... Um, we're definitely talking about Erica Branson, and we'll spend uh, the beginning part of the podcast talking about that. And then uh, we will go through the league uh, and some of the more notable trades and how it's uh, changed the playoff landscape, uh, because there were some good moves. There are less bad moves every year, I think. Well, that's what happens when you start watching numbers, isn't it? And, you know... Some teams confuse me. The team I cover falls into that category. So, so I don't think I don't think it confuses you anymore. I think it just pisses you off. Well, it the thing with it is it doesn't really like I'm not on the team. <laughs> I'm not when they win I don't get a ring. Um they win or lose, it's I I still cover the team, you know what I mean? Like yeah. My happiness is not tied up in the Pittsburgh Penguins' success. Uh, in the See, writing the and thing. on the podcast, I, you know, it can get animated uh, because within the scope of covering the hockey, yeah, I think it's really stupid. But um, I really don't spend much time thinking about it outside of when I have to sit down uh, to the keyboard or when we get to discuss it on here. Um, other than that, like, great, you want to make your team shittier, go right ahead. <laughs> like... Well, that's the thing for me, though, is I'm still invested as a fan. So this stuff does piss me off. Like, that's the thing. Like, I barely write on the sport anymore. I literally use this podcast as a therapy session with you. And this stuff does drive me nuts as a fan. It, it just it doesn't help the team this year, and it doesn't help the team in the future. And the fact that more and more of the beat writers are starting to get exposed for how they carry the water for the club, for me, is only a good thing because the lack of accountability that this general manager has had because of the two-cup thing and all that kind of stuff and his accessibility allows decisions like this to occur. He's been a terrible GM the last two years. Just horrific. Nothing he's done has been right. Now, some of the processes, some of the process has been okay with some of the trades. Like you and I have said, some of the decisions you can see the logic behind what he's done. If that sort of trade doesn't work out, I'm okay with that. It just happens sometimes. It's when the, it's when trades just seem to happen because it seems like it's the right thing to do to shake things up. That doesn't really solve a solution for what the problem is with the team, or he just does. It's almost like he does it to spite. Half the fan base, which is hilarious in itself. That's how it feels. That's not why, but that's how it feels. Well, I, I think it's just gotten to a pathetic point where every move he's making is to undo another shitty move he's made. Correct. And yep. some the the people that stand for Jim Rutherford 
there's a there's a good section of Penguins fans on Twitter that you know 2017 run wanted to put their fingers in their ears, close their eyes, and go la 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 la, and that's fine. <laughs> I'm not saying you can't enjoy the Stanley Cup, but just admit you're a fan. And when you try to pretend that you're breaking stuff down, you're you're a fraud. Because if you were breaking things down properly, you would look at the process of what was going on. You didn't care about the process because you're a fan, and that's fine. But they try to masquerade as these part-time analysts, and, you know, it's transparent. So now they're all shocked. that. I'm a fan, and I and I care about the process because I want them to be successful for a lot longer. No, like, no, I, I understand I mean? that, but the, that that subsection. Yeah, I know who you mean. I know who you're pointing. And the it's finger. um, it's it's comedy gold to me, because, <laughs> like, oh my god, he made another bad move. Like, yeah, dipshit, he had a fucking twenty year run in Carolina. What did you yeah, think was going to happen? Yeah. That he was magically great you show up in pittsburgh you're great because that's the mindset he has when he trades for these players or signs them oh well erica branson's only played 500 games but man once sergey gonchar gets a hold of him man well look out and these same people that, that, will point out oh justin schultz and they don't yeah, even he was have good a before he got the clue about usage and the fact he was actually a good player being horribly misused, you could tell the guy had talent. He was putting up 30-point seasons as a D-man on just a train wreck of a Edmonton team. And he was getting caved in possession-wise because he's not a top-pairing D-man. So when you put him on a good team and you put him behind Chris Letang, like, that was a really good trade. Like, I have no problem crediting Jim Rutherford on the good trades I would say that was a great trade. Uh, the Phil Kessel one being the apex of everything. But man, to think that every fucking bag of shit defenseman that's going to come in here is going to get better. And here's the other problem with this approach. You keep getting these shitty defensemen that need to be... Um, Fixed. Their deployment needs to be sheltered. There's no shelter left. That's even pre-injuries. There's literally not any shelter at all. You can only really shelter one pair out of your three. And that goes for, like, any team, really. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. It's not just a team that wants to try and win. And that's the other thing. This team, as it's currently constructed, when healthy, still requires a goaltender to get hot and still requires its aging elite players to be more than a point per game in the playoffs. So think about all those things that have to go right for this team to win it. And it did in 2017. But everybody's a little bit older now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is true. Um, I'm not... I, I, I still have confidence in Crosby, Malk, and Kessel to play really good hockey in the playoffs. So do um, I. I just don't see where this other stuff's coming from. So it's it, it's just funny to me the, the turnaround. Like, Man, Jim Rutherford's really not been making good moves. Yeah, well, it started uh, pre- pretty easily, the Ryan Reeves move. They keep doubling down on stupid. And some of these beat writers just love to say, well, just give him a chance. 
they haven't even played a game yet. It's it's insulting to be honest, and you you don't hire a plumber to build your deck in the backyard. Why would you want a beat writer to give you your player analysis, especially an extended wing of? It's basically state-run media at this point. It's Penguin. It's Penguin's TV. It's it's literally Trump TV. I get what you're saying. So why would you why would you want the beat writers to tell you how to feel about the player analysis? Um, and the role of the beat writer is very important. I'm not demeaning that role. Um, they provide the information. They're a very um, important part of spreading that information to the community. What isn't in the beat writer's job description is to then be an extended wing of the PR department of the Pittsburgh Penguins, or any NHL team for that matter. And that's where I think it's just ludicrous. You need to have the it's it's funny for me the beat writer needs to sort of be the I don't know like the reporter that starts off having to go down to the courts and report on what actually happens at the courts and when they report back they don't report back opinion they just report back what they've seen what they've heard then the 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 organization that's employing that person needs to have a second person employed to break down that information it's kind of what the athletic has has done they've got their beat writers who give their opinion pieces on how they feel about things and and that sort of stuff but you know that's coming as an opinion with pittsburgh and the it just feels like everybody is an arm of the organization and it's really weird that that's the case because he's playing them oh yeah 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 I'll let you call me any time of the day, blah, blah, blah. He he so works them over. Like, old grandpa would be nice. I'll give you access. He's just stringing you along and using you. Brilliant on his behalf. Like, if you can get away with it, well done. Yeah, until there's bite back and you got to go cry about how people are unfair to Jack Johnson. I mean, this whole situation is just so transparent to me. If you paid attention to anything from Carolina or bothered to do any research, um, this guy only cares about him. His three-year extension is all he cares about. This team, is, you know, we kind of joked about Columbus giving away all the draft picks. Uh, wait wait till it's last year Jim's extension. We'll see how many Pittsburgh future draft picks are left over for when he just walks away. Yeah. To a burning is, is fire. There, is there three more to go or two more to go on that extension of his? Uh, let's, I can't just, let's just assume three. Yeah. So, you look at that Goodbranson trade. <laughs> we haven't even broken got, down the player yet. <laughs> they've got 7.25 mil tied up in him and Jack Johnson. What's Chris Letang make, by the way? That amount! <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, Jesus isn't it, I mean, that puts it into perspective, does it not? Yeah. You are paying the cost of, like... A Chris Letang-like player in two players that are not in HL level. It's crazy. Crazy. And, and let's go down the Gabranson trade tree, or how Pittsburgh got there. And there's another part of the Gabranson trade tree that I found out 
reading uh, J.D. Burke on The Athletic that I thought was funny. Um, so you got Carl Hagelin. He was underperforming. Offense dried up. Four million. But he's on an expiring contract. And in hindsight, getting a third-round pick for him would be way better than anything they did. Keeping him would have been way better than anything they did. <laughs> That's an easy hindsight point, but I, can, I think I can see where all this is going. Keep going. So you're on an expiring $4 million contract with a guy who's still fast and effective doing certain things. Very good penalty killer. I know I don't you know, talk up penalty killing a lot, but the fact is Carl Hagelin can, uh, still was a, not a drain on possession. In fact, his possession numbers were always very good. Uh, the fact he could also kill penalties was of value. So you get rid of that. You get Tanner Pearson, and you know what? Okay. Like, that, I think that's one of those process trades you were talking about. Like, I'm not going to get too upset about that. But you, you add a player, similar cost per year, but he's got two more years. And then less than a few months later, like, your your evaluation was that far off on this guy that you got to get rid of him. But not only do you get rid of him, you get rid of him for an even shittier player, <laughs> one of the worst in the league at his position, on a position you didn't really need to fill because he's not better than Chad Ruedel. And yes, I know Ruedel was in, is in a sling right now as of last night, but that's not when the trade yes. was made. Correct, it's post-trade. <laughs> um, and injuries do happen. You can't just make trades like, oh, if Chad Ruedel gets hurt, what are we going to do? I don't know, call up Ethan Pro or the Trotman dude. <laughs> because replacement level means fucking replacement level. That's the best yeah. part about it. If you got a replacement level player, you can ditch him and it's not going to be anything. So now you got even a more untradeable contract because Tanner Pearson... I do think he could have pawned off, or even in the off season. And and I'm not contradicting what I was saying. One of my trade deadline things for Pittsburgh was get rid of the Pearson contract. That was like under the understanding that they were going to use that space, not yeah. full out galaxy brain. You know, yeah. I mean, and, yeah, you shouldn't have to say the asterisk on that is don't do something stupid with that trade. So they did it, and now they have a bottom. I mean, if we're being nice, a bottom pairing defenseman who's among has. There is nothing to see when you watch him play. He's slow as shit. He has no puck skills. He contributes no offense. You want to get into the possession and expected goal stuff. It ain't going to get any better there. Um, the The same, like people that wanted to just give Ryan Reeves a chance um, for the toughness and grit and all that nonsense. Well, I remember Elias Pettersson getting creamed by, uh, God, who was it? Somebody fucked him up, and he missed time this year, right? On a pretty controversial, like not a super clean play. Yeah, on a like game that, that Good Branson was playing in. Yeah, like this yeah. whole deterrent stuff. It, it's like it doesn't happen. It, it is just a myth that old hockey men can't get rid of. 
And if their players are telling them they want them, be an adult and say, this isn't a real thing. I'm not going in that direction. You'll be fine. Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are not going to demand a trade because they didn't trade for Eric fucking Gabranson or Ryan Reeves. <laughs> Man, this is very true. <laughs> like, how absurd are... What, what are we talking about here? They're going to be upset to the point where they're like, yeah, we want out. How stupid is that? And then we get to the locker room part. And this part, I don't really dispute much. I'm, You know, if they say he's a great guy... I'm, I will believe you. I do not know him. Um, if he's an awesome person, that's that's really, that's great. Who doesn't want to be around people that are good? However, you know, how bad is this locker room that they have to keep trading for character guys? They got 13 fucking players with a Stanley Cup ring. Sidney Crosby's their captain. Like everything I'm told by hockey men is that. They always want to trade for the guys with the championships and, you know, to get that culture going. They've won two out of the last fucking three Stanley Cups. How much culture do they need? Yeah. How shitty yeah, is it's, this room? It's, it's, it's just an old term used to cover up. It's not a shitty room. They don't need more character guys. They need good hockey players because when you win, your culture's great. Even if you win and the culture's not great, it's usually just one or two guys anyway. And people will go, you know what we want? We'll let it slide. Not everybody gets along in a room, and not everybody likes to play by the team rules, whatever those team rules are, that are most likely going to be set by Crosby. Just by example, not by really much else. So I can't see where this problem is. It's not a thing. It's... It's what the GM has to say because he knows he's made an incredibly crappy move and he doesn't give a shit, and he admitted it. Well, you look at the analytics and, yeah, I know they're not good, but we wanted some toughness and we wanted some character. Well, Jim, you made the team shittier, and we know you're not going to be around to, to, to clean up this bullshit mess you created. So, thanks. And that's that's the thing that that's funny. I think I've said it on the podcast before. What's the point of having someone like Sam Ventura in the group of decision makers if he provides you with the numbers and the guy who ultimately has to make the choice just doesn't give a toss about the numbers anyway? It's it's like it's it's negligent on, on two factors. Either fire the guy so you're not paying him for it. No, do not fire or, Sam. No, no. <laughs> Sam, not, not what... Sam keeps his job. <laughs> Let Sam make that money. <laughs> you you know what I'm saying though. You I either know what fire you're the guy because he's not yeah not being listened to, or you get rid of the guy that's not listening to him. No, I'm not. And listening. they gave him a three year extension, and it's all because of oh, but two cups. The the second one was uh, like running on coin flips, and they might win another one on coin flips because oh, you look at man, the, the top end. The East is not the, the way it was. No, absolutely not. But. It does only take a couple of lucky bounces in games where you get absolutely outshot and Matt Murray plays ridiculously good. And you win games you shouldn't, you win a series. So it is another one of those situations where, and I'd be happy as a fan to have egg on my face with this, this team winning the whole thing, purely based on the fact that they have a negative possession overall through the playoffs because they will have games where they get caved. 
by some of these elite teams. In the well, the longer they play, my job's a lot easier. I don't really care to start my summer blogging of creating ideas in April. <laughs> like, that's yes. a lot of work. So the longer they yes. go, it's good by me. And no matter how it happens, <laughs> that doesn't mean yeah. I'm going to be like, wow, they're playing great. Yeah. Um, just like in 2017, I, I I said it during the Capital Series. Wow, they're getting really lucky, and people got mad at that. Um, and again, this is not me telling you how to enjoy the Pittsburgh Penguins. My job, the way I perceive my job, is to tell it like it is. Because I don't think there are many outlets that do it. I think a lot of a lot of it's sugarcoating. Well, Pittsburgh coverage, absolutely. So there's a niche there that needs to be filled. So I fill it. That doesn't. That's not me trying to make you a different fan. I don't. I don't want to change the way you're. Um, anybody's a fan. That's your right to to root for sports however you want. Um, as as much as it is mine to cover it the way I see fit, you know. But man. I I I am looking at that defensive list at the moment, and he's the fourth highest paid paid player on the team. With two years to go after this year, like I don't know, I don't know what they do next year like it just fills up their cap space well here's here's what i'm rooting for just because i think it would be great to see how low can they go with the pairing just put him and jack don't shelter them let's fucking rock and roll baby let's see how miserable this can get you're running the you're running the whole i hope they miss no, no i just said i i hope they don't miss because my job would be better. i know but but you are literally asking for them to miss or have matt murray have a nine well, no i don't want them to miss the, the playoffs the this year they're all signed for many more years we got a lot of time to do this yeah okay this isn't a few month thing baby this is yeah they they've screwed themselves for a long time because downgrading from Tanner Pearson who wasn't effective with Pittsburgh to Branson who's one of the worst in the league that's a harder contract to to pawn off like that's the kind of contract you have to attach your first round pick and give to Ottawa in fact like they ought to really be thinking about using their first round pick to get their cap space back and Ottawa's going to have to hit the floor they need to weaponize that first round pick. I, I don't even think they can like use it to make the team better by adding a player. I think they need to use it to undo some of the boneheaded choices. Yeah, and, and then overpay slightly in free agency, I think, would be but, the but other thing that, there. But Rutherford has not shown any ability in free agency at all. Trading is no. how he's found success, and even that's yeah. been crappy lately. Um And we'll see how the the Florida deal works. I, I'm, I'm, I was fine. I'm fine with the process on that deal, as well. Especially with yeah. Jared McCann showing a pulse, that makes me a little more bullish on it. Um, I'm not so sure. I don't know, Bugstad. Um, I think he's gonna have to end up being a wing. Do you know? Do you know what's funny? Do you remember the uh, Marion Hosa trade? Yes, I remember watching yeah. the TV when it was made. That was crazy. 
And do you remember how... Back when the team made last-minute deadline deals that were good. Yeah. And you remember how um, Dupree hung around for a lot longer? Well, yeah, then, that, that was a nice thing that happened. And, uh, yeah, correct. Exactly. This this is where I think Jared McCann is going to slot in with this trade. I think Bukestad's going to be okay, but he's going to end up having to be a winger. Um, I just think Jared McCann is is going to produce quite nicely in, in the third line role. Like, well, he's going to do well there. Here's here's my thought on McCann. He's not going to continue to shoot nineteen percent. Nope. <laughs> and that's fine. But as I've said before, he's he's not the bottom six player that I I get so tired of. That just gets to the red line and doesn't look for options and gives, you know, the chip and chase, station to station, nonsense, bottom six player. Um, he's fast. He showed pretty nice eye-hand coordination on that second goal last night. Yeah. Where he tipped it, spun, the one hand tipped it, spun, and <clears throat> went went in on goal. He can clearly shoot the puck a little bit because not only did he, you know, snipe on the first goal and, and uh, did well on the second one, he he nailed the crossbar on the one, did he not? Yeah, you yeah, know there was a ping um, on a nice wrist shot. So I'm bullish on him as a depth depth player. And when I referenced that Gabranson trade tree earlier, McCann was traded for Gabranson. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Neither did I. So McCann was um, on Vancouver. Yeah, that's in Vancouver. Right. Uh, or no, yeah, 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 yeah. So Vancouver traded McCann a second and a fourth for a good Branson to Florida. It's like whatever whatever Vancouver was smoking when they made that trade. That's what Rutherford was smoking in regards to what he thinks Good Branson could be. Because quite clearly Vancouver had a high opinion of Good Branson. So, I just thought it was funny McCann was involved in that. And um, I would be, like, Zach Aston Reese has done a nice job being a complimentary piece with Malkin and Kessel. I, I'm, I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to break that up at the moment. But I think McCann can play a, a Haglin role with better hands, maybe, if Aston Reese's time, as it usually does with those tiered players, if, you know, that effectiveness wears off. Yeah. Put McCann on that left wing, and you got yourself kind of a Carl Haglin-ish role to be filled there. Yeah. Oh, I know what you say. I can see what you mean. And look, the bonus, the, the good part about that trade is that McCann is 22. So he's still an RFA by the time he gets to the end of his deal. So even if he does quote-unquote, explode into a really good tweener in regards to being quality third line but good second-line player, you're not going to have to overpay to keep him. And, and that's important in regards to the way this team's constructed. Agreed. Um, so, I I just... What's, what's the defense core look like when everybody's healthy? We've got your top pair. The, the, the tough part here is... 
Here's is Schultz. No, it's going to be him and Jack Johnson. Yeah, so that's why it's tough because Schultz is Schultz is is great in regards to he can move the puck. He's not terribly defensive, terrible defensively. He has his shortcomings there, but he doesn't quite have the skill set of Chris Letang in regards to being able to skate to cover up for the errors of his partner. And that's where I think Schultz is going to get burnt. Well, yeah, you're fucking him over like you did in Edmonton. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and if you could if you could pair Marta with him, Marta is the I love the term you came up with him. He is a chameleon, so Marta can be okay with Schultz. I I would prefer to have Pedersen and Ruedel as the third pairing. To be honest, that that would be my preference. But with Ruedel in a sling, he might be done for a while. Yeah, and, um, you know, that's assuming Dumoulin and Letang come back. That would, I, th- I think they will. I think they were labeled day-to-day, but, you know, as far as Penguins reports, injury reports go, that's usually week-to-week. <laughs> yeah, if <laughs> um, they say week-to-week, it's month-to-month. You know you're in trouble. Year-to-year, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Gabranson is not going to get scratched. This is going to be another thick-headed thing that happens. And, you know, people are like, well, Sullivan can do what he wants. He's a Stanley Cup winning coach. And it's like, you know, now when the GM doubles down publicly, like when he cried about Jack Johnson, you think the coach... Can, can go and then scratch that player without there being some repercussions. You don't think Rutherford's vindictive enough to, to find a new coach? So do you think that in their conversations, this is because this is what I think, Sullivan was there going, all right, we want to obviously do the pairs A, B, and C, and it didn't include Jack Johnson. And then Rutherford goes, right, I'm going public. No, no, I don't think Sullivan even gets to that point. You reckon he just went? I think it's an unspoken thing. I don't know. We're not in those talks. I know, but the thing that I I always sort of think that the thing that um, Shero and Bilesma had in regards to their assessment of the players, all that kind of stuff, that seems pretty logical to me. They were on the same page. The page wasn't always a great page, but they were on the same page. Yeah, but they could sit down and discuss what was going on and all that kind of thing, right? It just feels as though Rutherford doesn't run that way. He it's does whatever the fuck he fight. wants. It's a fiefdom. It's literally, I do what I want and everybody just follows. There's no direction of this team. I don't like throwing out, oh, this team needs an identity. No, the team needs good players. But the the team has no direction. It started yeah. immediately with Rutherford's tenure in 2014-15. Remember when he went the Max Lapierre route? He had to get grit and grime going. And the whole reason that Bilesma and Cheryl were out on their ass was because they were going that way with the bottom six. Yeah, and we then, they, had and two then Rutherford changed direction. And, you know, I can't help but think it had a lot to do with the fact he fucked the salary cap up so bad when Botterill said, don't trade for Nick Spalling, take the second-round pick, 
and he went for Nick Spalling instead, I think that was the moment where Botterill got a little bit more say in the room. I think that trade um, though, was when, you know, Pittsburgh obviously didn't say, hey, Jim, you come in and get all your own people. They wanted Botterill to be there, and he stayed. Yeah. That's not always normal. Nope. To have a new GM come in and keep the old assistant GM. And when the cap guy says, don't do this, and you do it, and you have to play with five defensemen to close out the year, and then you start the first-round playoffs gassed. It's funny that all the moves started getting better after that. And it's funny and when the moves started are, getting worse. And it's funny how the moves <laughs> all started getting worse. And I don't want what I'm saying to be misconstrued that Jason Botterill made all the good moves and Jim Rutherford made all the bad moves. What I'm saying, saying is there was somebody for checks and balances in that room being like, Jim, we're not doing the Erica Branson thing. We're not doing the Jack Johnson thing. This makes no sense, and I'm putting my foot down on this. Here's the evidence. We're not doing it. And there's somebody that has a little bit of cachet in that room that can bark back. Now it's a bunch of yes men. This or, is why this is why the Penguins need to hire Micah. Well, what good is his say no five times? Because they already have that guy. Yeah, I know. I know. And they don't listen. Like, here's how it works with um, a director of analytics. You, you hire that person to give input on things that you ask for. That person is going to do the best job they can to give that um, the best evaluation they see fit for what you've asked for. And then the ball's in the other person's court. So when people are, well, what's Sam? Or, and it's, I say Sam because it's Pittsburgh's, but for any team, you know, it's only as good as the person listening. Yep. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So it's nobody's there that has pull to tell him no anymore. Because if Botterill, and again, speculation on my part, but I think ownership would be a little pissed off at Rutherford if they blatantly ignored Botterill. After the the cap snafu and everything, but now yeah. that he's not there and nobody's really filled that void, like Bill Guerin's not that guy. And who knows, Bill Guerin might be the one <laughs> on board with all this shit too, for all we know. Um, yeah. You you have a guy running amok with no direction that's undoing his crappy moves and making him crappier, and we are sliding towards the productive. At least the team being productive for Crosby, Malkin, Kessel. And, you know, don't be surprised if Phil's a casualty of this shitty cap management. And I've always said you got to evaluate Phil after every year and try to get ahead of the curve. But I'll tell you, man, Phil's aging just fine. Like, I give him a lot of credit. I thought that by now I'd be uh, writing the Trade Phil blogs. And I'm not there. But somebody's no, going to go. Mata will probably yeah. go. Which is, I've always advocated for, like, he, like, will Hornquist go? Because you're looking, you can't have this many mid-tier contracts. 
not work. And the GM that just signed the two latest ones to play D, those are the safe ones, believe it or not. One, because you can't trade them. <laughs> they have a no-trade clause built into their shitty play. Yeah. So you're going to lose the Matas, the Hornquists, um, and maybe even the Kessels. And I don't know how trading Kessel helps a win-now team, because any team that you're trading them to wants to be a win-now team. You're not getting back win-now assets. That is the point, yes. It's just mind-blowingly annoying, is the best way I can put it. So, I mean, it's no secret. I don't think he's a great GM. I think he's mediocre. I think he was gifted a hell of a franchise. Had to had to do some things on the outskirts of the roster. Did do it at the very beginning. Although, guys like Daly played out way above their... Um, standard for for the right stretch but but put put in a situation to succeed but but also you know you trade rob scuderi away and get trevor daly who could skate and and be offensive like there's no complaints there but where did that go like you just traded for the went to buffalo handed rob scuderi it went to buffalo well, that that's where it went. That that pushback that 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 person in the room to be able to say this is silly, this is why don't do this. That person's gone. Like Jason Jason Carmonis and, and Bill Guerin and other guys. Carmonis came with Rutherford. Right? And you said it's yes men. This is the problem. When you've got somebody that has yes men around them, there's no there's no analytical thought. Ignore numbers. There's no sit down, have a discussion about, do you think this is a good idea? Because ultimately, they'll end up just going, do whatever you want. Well, this is how you get Erica Branson, and it's how you get to the point of climate change isn't real. <laughs> because <laughs> Yes, exactly. We, it sounds like a certain administration that isn't going so hot. Are you talking about yours or the one down here? I'm not sure because they're both in about the same boat. Pick one. So, yes. um, yeah, you surround you. You have a guy at top who really doesn't want to put in the work, and a lot of yes men around. Well, there are some parallels here. You're far too many. The, the the United States, pretty decent country. Penguins, pretty decent roster. <laughs> trending in a way because of yes men and not uh, uh, you know somebody who wants to use um, coherent reasoning anyways we'll use the like we could talk about Brian Russ being out for a long time which doesn't help but um, to get into uh, the trade deadline stuff um, let's segue Jason Botterill we'll, we'll start off with Brandon Montour trade good one right um, yep, I like it, and certain factions of people, the goals uh, above the replacement crowd, not so sold on it. Uh, but I think 
the issue at hand with that is one, I personally don't like the goals above replacement formula that's being used right now. Um, I like the effort in, as I've said before, in trying to create one, but I, I still don't think we're like it gets thrown around like it religiously. Yeah, it's not a god particle stats wise. It's it's not. But but that's what and Gar kind of is built to be. It is, but, but it's a it's a work in progress. There there are variables that just can't get thrown into that properly yet, or variables inside the equation aren't being weighted um, the right way. So not rightly or wrongly, it's just it's a work in progress of a of a stat, and it's it's why I just the... don't like how it's presented. Not by not by Evolving Wild. I don't think they've ever claimed it to be, but it no. is presented. In a way, I really don't like. But that's because it it uh, it strengthens someone's argument. That's the thing. It, it's you do like, get there, and when you go and look at numbers, and they don't agree with what you want to say, you should just get there and go, "Hey, I looked at these numbers, and this is not what I was expecting." Don't go fishing for numbers that you want to show what you want to see. Well, that's and I struggle with that because Corsi at the beginning of it all, that this is the train of thought that well. I thought this player was good, and their possession's really low. And so there are similarities, like, when you question these things. And, and I've struggled with, okay, am it, is it me? Of course it could always be me um, not understanding the value here. But the smell test, a basic smell test on some of this stuff, when I look at the goal above replacement values for the Penguins, and I look at some of the over the years where I see Patrick Hornquist is better than Malkin and Kessel and stuff like that, and, and this year Ole Mata is a top four player on the Penguins, it's like, dude, I can't do this. The, the, and the easiest one for me to explain is the Hornquist one. Yeah, because lots he's, of whack he's... and hacks, lots of whack and hats in close, in high danger chances. Obviously, that weights him to be better. But it makes that that makes sense to me in an equation. I I agree. That one you can put your own context on and be like, he's gaming the system. Not intent. Like Patrick Hornquist isn't like, boy, if I jam this a few <laughs> times, my fucking gar is gonna go way yes. up. That's the not way he happens, plays games. The way he his plays style games, is gaming the system. Absolutely. Holy Mata being like, what? What are we missing here? Yeah, and yeah, when you cover the team and and players, it's above Malkin uh, and Kessel yeah. who put up like a point a game. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. So, so it's like, where does where where what are what are the inputs that he puts into that equation that make him come out that way? It's like, okay, so where's the weighting not quite right for that? I think it was Vinny Bats online that. Penalty differential is the only thing he saw that Mata was doing well, like t it on an extreme yeah. basis. So maybe penalty differentials off on that, but no fucking shot is Oli Mata should be in the top three or four players on the Penguins. Anyways. No, the eye test, the eye test, the smell test does not agree with that concept at all. So, anyways, some people don't like the Montour thing, and what I want to add to that is how you have to put some context with Patrick Hornquist and why he was always 
pretty high up there. Anybody playing for Randy Carlisle needs to be taken with a grain of salt, and if they can escape that, holy cow. He's that bad. He is yeah. the one of the worst coaches of this era. Now, what is interesting, though, is the general manager comes down after the player comes out of that and trades him away still. That's fine. That doesn't mean that he's not going to be an upgrade for Buffalo in, in, the, in that situation. Can't no, do the things that Buffalo needs, which is a transition puck mover because Scandell has been terrible. He's been way worse than I thought he ever would be. But Gojin yeah. has always been an overrated kind of player that isn't good. Oh, enough. I like Bogosian, but his numbers, what he is, is not what he was. He's another he was first-round pick that yep. it carries on from that first-round pick. Number three Perfect. overall, good Branson Johnson. That's the only reason these guys are still making more than league minimum is they were drafted in the first round. Um, so, like, the Sabres need, needed a, a good right-handed defenseman. Uh, or an average one at the very least. And they're sitting on a shitload of draft picks. And they they used what's going to be the third worst first round pick they have this year on that trade. You know what? I'm good with it. You got to start build you can't be saving these draft picks and hoping 3 years down the road some of these guys hit on a late first round pick. Dolan is on his entry level. Eichel's already getting paid. Eichel strikes me as the kind of player that will not be shy and like, you know what, this ain't working. Uh, I'd like to move on. His whole generation will be like that. It'll be great. And that's fine. I'm not saying he's there. I'm just saying, like, if you don't start to show progress, you've got to, you know, worry about those kinds of things. So trading a very late first-round pick to upgrade one of the weakest areas of their team, that seems reasonable to me. And, and they have Darlene. They should pair him right up with Montour right off the bat. They're not because Phil Housley sucks. Um, <laughs> Lawrence Pilot got sent back down to the Amherst for some unknown reason. I don't get that. Yeah, I don't understand that. Um, he should play with Ristolainen. I mean, Ristolainen's still on the team. Somebody's got to play with him. Might as well put the one of the better left-handed D on there. Bogosian can play on the bottom pairing. Scandella shouldn't see the ice, but they're doing the whole Jack Johnson thing with him, where no matter how bad they play, they play keep, anyway. keep playing. And put McCabe with Bogosian. There's your bottom pairing. So now you got Darlene and Montour, arguably your, your Latang Dumoulin of your, the, the best two you have. Yeah. And then you got your Justin Schultzish Ristolainen playing with Lawrence Pilot, who I don't have a comparable Pittsburgh comparable there. But the, um, th- the thing with the thing with SWAT with with pushing Risto down the lineup is you put him like you said, it's a really good Justin Schultz comparison. It puts him in a situation where he's not up against the best players all the time and has a chance to be successful. You won the damn lottery. Act like it. Yeah. They keep putting Darlene with, like, weird deployment and not treating it like they won the best defenseman who's come around in a, quite a bit of drafts. Well, did... Was it Barry Melrose who gave the 
gave this sort of treatment to Stamkos and then was out the door. Oh God, remember how stupid that was. But this this is similar-ish. Do you know what I mean? Gary, or Gary, Barry Melrose, I believe, picked against the Penguins every single round of the 2016 run. Yeah, the good team run. <laughs> the good Penguins. Uh Barry. But it's it's a, it's it's negligence by it, it's negligence by not playing. Darling could quite can, can handle the tough minutes. He can handle playing 22, 24 minutes a night. And he can do that against the best. He's going to make errors. He's young. Of course he is. But even the best defensemen make errors. He's 18, like, and he's po- on pace to get as many points as an 18-year-old defenseman ever in an era where if you era adjusted it, um, it'd be even more impressive. But he is chasing his head coach, who was a very good player in his own right. Phil yeah, Housley it, has the record for most points as an 18-year-old defenseman. It's, it is one of those things Maybe he doesn't want I him stand... to break the record. <laughs> I stand by the fact that great players in any sport, whether it's sports here or sports overseas, great players do not make great coaches. There are, there I don't are want to very rule rare exceptions. Being able to. But yeah, Wayne Gretzky wasn't very good. No, but it, it's because they see things that other players... They're unique at what they do, and it's really hard for them to communicate and, and, and transition that across to helping other players be better because they can't help them physically on, on the ice or on the field or, or whatever it is they're doing. It's just the it's just the way it works. We've got a couple of out-and-out legendary champions in this country that have made it work, but they're like the rarest exceptions over here. Most of them crash and burn and fail. It doesn't surprise me that this happens in ice hockey I think the as next, often as it does. I think when this wave of players, like if Taylor Hall wanted to coach... He's always been insightful with how he's looking at the game. I think I think it will change. Yeah. Well, right now, this current generation, no, agree. Boomers it's, suck. Yeah. It's just it doesn't it doesn't happen. And it's curious. We were just sort of praising our theory of what Botterill can and can't do. You're right. At some point, he's going to have to start wheeling and dealing and filling out some of the big holes in this roster. And the O'Reilly trade sucks. He did a bad job with that. Now, yep. My theory is he was rushed to make it before July 1st and got the less of bonus a return related? because of the bonus money that was going yeah. to be handed out July 1st. So for St. Louis, they paid pretty much nothing to get him as far as hockey assets, but had to pay real money on that bonus. Interesting that he might have felt that pressure from a owner that hasn't really cared well he's wasting money left and right on both his teams firing coaches and he's he's been a really crappy owner in the on ice and on field uh parts of things he's been great in the sense that western new york really needed somebody that was rich to to solidify having the teams where they are especially the bills so i'm grateful that he's keeping the bills in western new york but I think he had his tentacles all over drafting Josh Allen. I think he he forced a Ryan O'Reilly trade because, again, locker room issues. Ryan O'Reilly is mopping up in St. Louis. He's a big reason why they're good. Yeah, well, they they were good in certain areas. They just didn't get any goaltending, and then all of a sudden, Bennington turned up, and and um, you know. <laughs> 
the rest is history. That team is is going fabulous. They fucking crushed Nashville last night. They doubled them up in shots like forty to twenty. It was only a, um, either a one nothing or two nothing game, and St. Louis had to score very late on a power play because I was watching that one. But they were mopping up, total domination of Nashville. Yeah. So like it's Ottawa. Um, yeah. So I I like the risk reward of the Montour trade of moving the first round pick for maybe an average right defenseman. But Montour's strengths are transitional play, and um, I think he'll be able to put up some offense. And that's the type of player they should have been looking to get, and they did. Um, they don't have any in their system um, other than Pilot. So you got to get them somewhere. And I was looking down the UFAD list, and it doesn't look like you're going to get one there for that price point. So... Um, Good job on that. I think, I think it's one of those Derek Broussard trades where you know no problem with it at the time. We'll see what happens. I'm not going to go back and say I hated it if it doesn't work out. No, the the process is solid. It's it's as a as a fan of a particular team. That's if you can understand the logic behind it. it Just makes don't put them with Marco Scandella, which they did. Which well, by the way, problems. last night in a. Um, in the first period, I think Ristolainen played almost two minutes of even strength. And he was Corsi, four was one, is and against was ten. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, Montour was uh, actually on the positive side against the, the Flyers last night. One of few savers. So, it's one game, but I just thought it was the contrast was funny. Um, so, big biggest trade, Mark Stone. Uh, Vegas, way to go. That's great. I, That's a great trade. For a general manager that I thought was past it, him and his crew have done a brilliant job of all of this. Yeah, and I think From they didn't take one. advantage of all of the advantages they had with the expansion draft. But I, I think they've done a great job of building a team that has a window like any other team in the league has a window they didn't sit on oh we're just going to wait a while to do it they they're like we're actually pretty good now let's 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 do that window thing right now and well they took advantage of idiot gms like that's the reality they got qualities of players they should never have got <laughs> thank you florida and, yeah maybe florida will take a branson back Oh, I got to do well, some research here. Did the computer boys were they the ones that traded them to Vancouver? Yep. Cause that would be how you get Cabranson. Yeah, Dale Talon. Maybe the Sabers can give him Ristolainen for Huberto too. <laughs> Dale's one of the easiest marks left. Yeah. Anyways, well, Edmonton Mark... have got a little harder yet. Mark Stone so... is a star winger. They gave up not even a first round pick. That was the weirdest part of the trade. Apparently, this Brandstrom kid's really good, so Ottawa's getting a, a like a legit top end prospect. But yeah. you know they're eventually going to have to pay that prospect. So did they really get anything? Well, right <laughs> now though, <laughs> uh, I, I, sorry, it took me a second, but I got that. <laughs> uh, if they sign Stone for eight years, they've got him till thirty four. So they did. 
Is has it actually been signed? Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, you're you're probably technically right. But eight by nine point five, like yeah. all day. And he's worth he's worth every penny of that. And, uh, and he the... played last night with Stasny and Fuck. Pacturetti. Yes, and they were seventy percent possession, so again, one game, but that's a really good start. Yeah. It's it's an exciting team. I will say this about this particular year, though. They need Fleury to be better than he has been in the last 20 games. Well, Fleury hasn't had a good year. No. He a- started a- off as, fine. As does happen with Fleury. The thing is, though, he started off fine, and then they're playing him more games than I think they should. He... We'll go close to playing 60 again. And guess what? We've seen that fish yes, before. Yep. Absolutely. The years and he's played his best hockey, 08 playoffs, he hurt his ankle and missed about 30 games. He did. He split time with Matt Murray when he fucking crushed Washington's cup hopes the year that we talked about, the Penguins getting lucky. Yep. Vegas I, I, is running him into the ground, and he did like his playoff run last year was great, but he had a really bad final because he was probably out of gas. Yeah, no, I don't understand. It's it's quite simple. It's a fifty thirty split, give or take a couple, and and the fact that they don't trust Subban enough to cover those thirty games for them is going to kill will, him. You know? Yeah, he's going to kill him. Because he needs, he needs, like, they're not going to get past third in their division, right? They're not going to catch the other two teams, even yeah, with Martin Calgary's, Jones in goal for, for, for the Sharks, good. right? So they're going to have to play the Sharks uh, uh, in San Jose. Don't play him. Just don't play him. Like, play Subban on a couple of back-to-backs. Don't play, like, there's 20 games left. Only play Fleury for 10 and, and play him a couple at the end. Because they, this team is great, but it doesn't go anywhere if you get 2010, 2011, 2012 Fleury. It's pretty simple. Well, shit, who is winning with that? Not yeah. one of the best teams in the league of that time. Not San Jose, if they get that from Martin Jones, which is what they've got all year. So, um, transition there. What the hell are the Sharks doing? And what the hell are the Flyers doing? Why did they trade for Cam Talbot, who's a pending UFA? They're not even in the playoff hunt. Now, I could understand trading for Cam Talbot and then flipping him to a team like San Jose for a draft pick or something. But they didn't do that. And what the fuck is San Jose doing thinking they're okay? On league-worst goaltending. Yeah, I don't, I don't get the San Jose thing. The Philadelphia thing, I kind of get because it's just cap space. They're going to get back, like they're going to get basically seven and a bit mil back when Elliot and Talbot walk. They quite clearly think Carter Hart's the guy. Yeah, but why did you trade for Talbot? You traded Stolarz away. It was a one for one goalie trade. What's That's the all point I can think- of like if Elliot's there? And you want to play Carter Hart. Like, they turned the keys over to Carter Hart, which is fine. He got hurt is why he's not playing now. That's why he didn't play the outdoor game. Well, all of their goalies have gotten hurt. Elliot's been hurt. Neuvert's so been hurt. So call another and... AHL guy. You are not in the hunt. 
Well, they still thought they were. But they are not. Correct. So it's the fact they that they lost to Pittsburgh. That... Or no, they didn't lose to Pittsburgh. <laughs> no. That's right. Pittsburgh screwed that up royally. Um, even with that win, though, <laughs> they're so far back. Um, I, I, I thought flipping Talbot for to the Sharks or or what the hell are the Red Wings doing with Jimmy Howard? You you should have been able if you were the Red Wings, you should have been able to fleece some something from fleece, San Jose. Just take a draft pick, and if you want him back, sign him. Like if both parties want to be together, go on a playoff run, buddy. Come back to us. We're still gonna I, suck and be here at the Little Caesars Center. <laughs> I just I just don't. I don't get the San Jose thing. I really don't understand it at all. And Carlson looks like that... bang the fuck up. His groin looks like shit. He got hurt last night against Boston, came back, Marchand walked the shit out of him on a shorthanded goal in, in the way. And it's not that, oh, Carlson got beat by Marchand. Oh, my God, because Marchand's a good player. It was how. He couldn't even pivot. Yeah, so they just have to sit in. And I think they will, but... Yeah. The team's good enough to go without him. The team with him is amazing. But they still could get sunk by the fact that neither of their goalies can make a save. And maybe it's that bonehead, it's that pig-headedness of we have Martin Jones signed until 23-24 at 5.75. You know? Maybe it's that. It's like when Pittsburgh kept going back to Fleury, back to Fleury, back to Fleury because he was their guy. Yeah. So, it could it, the whole Eric Carlson experiment yeah. um, could go up in flames. One because he's injured, but two, most likely, Jones just isn't capable. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, that that I didn't get. Uh, one I did get was Winnipeg getting Kevin Hayes, who I really like as a player. They did this last year where they did the rental thing to get Stasny, and now they have um, Kevin Hayes to fill that. And now you get Nikolai Ehlers back from injury. You can stick him with a Kevin Hayes. You've got another quality center. And Brian Little's now your third-line center. Um, some of Winnipeg's underlying numbers haven't been great this year. They, they're kind of a paper tiger uh, for most of the year. But at the same time, Bufflin's missed a lot of time. Morrissey is out right now. Um, when they get all these players back, they'll be back to, I think, being a quality opponent. So, I suppose for some of the injuries back, the Buffalo one's the big one, right? Is he going to get back with enough time for him to be, you know, game ready? And it's the same with Morrissey, because obviously it's going to be right at the tail end of the season. Everything ramps up. It makes it tough for those guys to, to come back. Um, and be right on top of it on the ball. Particularly, is this is going to be their last year with Truba because he is walking? Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Uh, if they pay him appropriately, I mean, they're a really good team. Maybe that's enough to, to keep him around. They were fucking with him earlier. Yeah. Money. So if they're going to yeah. give him money, you know, maybe he sticks around. Maybe. So we'll see. But Kyle, Kyle Connor needs money. Um, but Tyler Myers is coming off the books at five mil. That really does help. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Suppose you got to work it. We're going to pay Patrick Laine as well. Well, he hasn't had a great year. 
for uh, him. He's had a good half. He had a good half. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, he was pushing that nine-ish territory. Maybe he's at eight. And a mil and a half matters. You know, unlike the Penguin fans who say, good Branson at four mil doesn't matter because it's certainly not a hard cap league. <laughs> oh, yeah. those people are the worst. If you could pay a luxury tax on it, yeah, it doesn't matter. Because Pittsburgh would probably pay it to go over the cap. But that's not how this cap works. Yeah, it's kind of not reality, is it? No. So, love the Kevin Hayes um, addition. That Winnipeg first-round pick was getting traded no matter what. So, he might as well get a good player for it. Well, it's no value to them. Like They, they are expecting that pick to, to be very late in that first round. Maybe even 31st, you know? Yeah, absolutely, so, yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see where Kevin Hayes lands and what his contract is, because he can be a really good second-line centerpiece in <clears throat> Buffalo. Um, <laughs> and he's only 26. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Six, six and a half for Kevin Hayes. I don't think yeah. Middlestat's ever going to be a center. In fact... He's so young, I don't want to do the trade Middlestad already thing, but um, very disappointing year for him. Some people called it. I'll give I'll give old Man- Manuel Perry his due. He's been uh, shitting on Middlestad all year long. Um, and also RIP Corsica. Boy, that has really fucked things up for my job. <laughs> what happened there? I don't know, man. He's taken that site down randomly over the time, but I think this time it's... Uh, gone which sucks he, he manny you did a great job with that site um you provided a resource that gave us information that otherwise i it, i couldn't get so thank you manny the fact that you the fact that you can't trust the nhl's advanced stats is crazy yeah and, and i mean that's literally what he was competing against the the product he provided was in com- direct competition to the NHL's official website. And the fact that people would trust his over theirs is just an indictment on SAP and the NHL and their boneheadedness. And I think the NHL is the only sport where you have to worry about these guys taking their sights down or getting hired and being left with nothing. And I don't mean nothing because natural stat trick is great. Um, I use that predominantly now. Uh, but but with all of these sites, really, uh, War on Ice was the only catch-all site that I used for everything. Um, yeah. Corsica I used a ton, especially for the individual analysis. Expected goals, 4 percentage. High dan- well, Natural Stat Trick um, has high danger save percentage. I wish they... Um, I should probably adopt Manny's expected goals, 4 stat. That would be really... The only thing um, that would be the first thing I would I would want to see um, somebody pick up. Yeah. So, um, anyways, boy, we are really gonna go forever on this. We got a lot of shit yeah. to go through. Well, um, this is what happens when I don't have a when I don't have a job to go to. Yeah. Um, Nashville. David Poyle does some really good things. He signs players early for cheaper takes risks on it, and it usually pans out. What he doesn't do great is he usually 
his rental players he targets are not great. Brian Boyle and Wayne Simmons. And now they're going to probably take Ardvidsson off that power play and put Wayne Simmons there, even though Wayne hasn't had a good power play year. I don't... Like, Wayne Simmons is past his due date. On top of on top of that, moving on from Fiala as well and bringing in Granlin. Oh, like, that, I, I, that one's fine by me. Um, I don't know. I suppose a good player. He is, but Fiala is a cheaper option for moving forward, right? Fiala's having a bad year, and Fiala might take a little bit more time. Nashville doesn't, and they don't have the time. That was, and that was where I was. I was heading towards the space. Use it, and they're in that. They're certainly in their window. I think Granlin's a really good player. I, I had even forgotten that that trade happened. There's so much shit to the Gabranson thing fucked me up. I forgot about the good trade. <laughs> um, but the but you are you are Simmons, right about Simmons. Like yeah, you don't need to do that. Like they're gonna over. They're gonna the usage is gonna not be great. I don't know. Well, particularly particularly when Laviolette loves Simmons as well. Well, I'll give I'll get I'll say this. Laviolette was the first one to give Simmons uh, the usage that made Simmons Simmons. Yes, absolutely. So maybe I should reserve my comments there and, and let things play out a little bit. Maybe Laviolette can again get the most out of him because he was the coach that put him on the power play, something that hadn't happened before. And Simmons turned into a great power play player, much like um, the same kind of role as Hornquist. Um, True. So we'll see there. You're right. But it can also work the other way of pushing uh, what once was and now is not. It's, you know? I find it amazing how many, and I don't know whether it's like this in other sports, but how many coaches and general managers go back to what they know because they feel oh, like they Matt Cullen, Jack Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Suppose it's the, the negative of having jobs where contracts can just be, you can just be walked. I know you get paid out, but that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. So we'll see. Nashville has got their hands full in, with, I think, Winnipeg now again. Uh, but that Pacific Division, I was surprised Calgary was so quiet. Unless I forgot another trade. <laughs> well, there's probably a few we've forgotten. I don't feel like they did anything. Why? Uh, so this is the thing. You've got. You've got Calgary and, and the Islanders who sort of sat on their hands, right? And and, and, and you get... brought the Islanders up before the podcast, and I think we both agreed. Good job, Islanders. Yeah, and, and, and riding I, I, I this think PDO train. Just yeah, don't break it, it and see what happens. Yeah, there's there's no need to expend assets on something that feels like it might be a one year wonder, 
and not that that's the thing with Calgary, but Calgary have got a good thing going, and, and so have Tampa. So it is one of those things where you don't have to do something if everything's rolling. Like, for all the shit we talked about Pittsburgh, the Islanders finishing first and getting Pittsburgh as the first wild card isn't exactly a, a great reward. Or even if Columbus no. is there. Although Columbus, yeah, you... the all-in Blue Jackets are on the outside looking in after losing the Pittsburgh last night. That was a really good win for Pittsburgh. It was. Um, it was. I mean, now people, because they've played with 5D the last two games and done okay, uh, now think that Jack Johnson's now hashtag good <laughs> because he wasn't a complete tire fire is, is comical. Um <laughs> Like, I agree. At the Flyers game, he was good. I looked at his numbers for the Columbus game, and it's like, he really wasn't that great. No. But, you know, we moved the goalposts for shitty players. So, anywho. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, Columbus there's no, is in there's, there. There's, like there's the no Islanders, need to... Yeah. It's, it's okay they didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. They didn't, like, do anything dumb. They just sat back. Some teams could learn from that, understanding their scenario. So, Lou, who we've talked much shit about, can't really complain. He did fine by not doing anything. And they were rumored to be in on, like, the Panarins and, like, some of these bigger stone could you imagine them sacrificing futures to get like a rental and then just getting fucking dusted in the first round? Yeah, that'd just be that'd just be so current Islanders, wouldn't it? If that happened, so it's it's for the fans who have gone through a hell of a lot of pain, particularly in the last twelve months. Nice for them not to have screwed up the deadline in that sense. Now, so. I, I spoke a lot about it at the beginning. I don't want to tell fans how to feel. But Tavares is making his return to Long Island this week. And they got songs. And they've got... They're going to wear pajamas. And they're going to really treat him like shit. And have some self-awareness of the situation. Let's say... Well, I we have gone through this as uh, Pittsburgh followers. Oh three oh four, Like, when they were gutting the team and, like, players didn't want, like... Yager saw the writing on the wall that the team literally couldn't physically pay him his salary. Now, there is a, a section of Penguins fans still hold a grudge on Yager. Um, they're fucking losers. Um, Go to working, not get paid. Go on. Oh, I think um, if you work for the government over there, it might happen. Um, like, you should understand where the franchise is. You should understand that that player was awesome for you. Let him even have a home rink, yeah. Exactly. Like, you're talking about one of the premier players that never had a say. Like, oh, I'm going to the Islanders. Okay. Um, And and owned it and loved being... Like, he he wore the Islanders' crest with pride and and really made them relevant at all. Like, it's all... That was... John Tavares, as good as he was, was kind of like Pittsburgh lucking their way into the Crosby thing. 
Because if that player's not there and not doing those things, are they a team in the current? And he was gone, but he's back. Well, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. So I was just saying how, um, you know, having Tavares there helped extend the Islanders being there, much like the Sid Penguins thing. It's, yeah, but it's the thing with sports, isn't it? You you look at it in a sense of. What have you done for me lately? It's always the way it kind of works. Like even our um, our uh, anger at what Rutherford's done, it's all on the concept of we can see what you're doing for us now, but you are going to destroy us later on down the track. At least with Tavares, he stopped them from vanishing. I think. Yeah. No, no, I absolutely agree. And I don't blame him for thinking this franchise is not moving forward in a way where I can get some personal reward of playing in the playoffs. It, it makes really good sense if you look at where that franchise was at the time he made the decision. And he didn't fuck him over like Matt Sundin. <laughs> fuck the Leafs over. Like Yeah, that's true. I love Matt Sundin, but... Like, the Leafs were actually like, okay, the, the course is run, it's... In, you you are going to move on. Let's let's find you a place. And he's like, Nah, I'm a Leaf forever, but I'm also a Canuck in UFA. <laughs> like, yeah. come on. Um, it, it, the Islanders fans are looking at his betrayal, and I'm. It's it's tough to get mad at somebody who is going to a contender in the area they grew up after putting in many good years in a situation that was pretty crummy. And to get upset at a player who takes ownership of their destiny and their career, and for a player like Tavares, a legacy, you're talking about a Hall of Fame-ish player. I shouldn't say ish. He, he is. He will be. Yep. Um, like, how can you get mad at that? Like, if Sid... If the Penguins era didn't go the way it did, like, they got three cups, that's great. What if they got zero and, like, they're just not a good team, like, and he wanted to go to Montreal? Like, I wouldn't be like, fuck you, Sidney Crosby. I'd be like, oh, that was a fun run. (laughs) It was very enjoyable to have him to watch on a nightly basis. And that's kind of why I've shifted from team fandom a lot of in a lot of ways to I like following players. And if I do team stuff it's intri- like I'm totally in on Toronto. I'm very invested in seeing where Buffalo goes. Um stuff like that. You don't have to just that- be religious to one is I guess yeah, it's, what yeah, but you're, it's one of those things. I think as I'm, I'm similar-ish in that I'm a massive Penguins fan, but I've become more of a hockey fan as, for me, the sport has become much more accessible to get to. And it's much easier to, to watch other teams play, and it's much easier to see other teams. So it's like if I get the time, I'll throw on a game 
that's not a Penguins game just because I can't, and and therefore you get to see other players, and it is it is fun to watch rosters coalesce into something when they were nothing. <laughs> Speaking of my Maple Leafs, they're dusting the Oilers five to one right now. Yeah, that's not at all uh, not at all uh, um, surprising, and uh, just underscores what the hell's going on over in the West. Oilers had the one nothing lead though. So when 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 did the when did the dominance shift? Was it once Detroit was done with their dominance, and the East became the better? Like when did that shift to the East? Cause, yeah, because the East feels like the stronger conference. I don't know. Really, only recently. I mean, Chicago was always badass team you had to get through. That's true. Even last year, like if Winnipeg or Nashville got through, does Washington win? Yeah. I mean, Vegas had their run. It kind of skewed the strength of the other two teams that didn't get through. Yeah, that's all. It just it just Not, feels this year. Like I do the... think the East is better. But, it's just the depth. It's the depth of the conferences, I suppose, is where I'm at more so than the top end. Yeah, the West had depth for a bit. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it goes back and forth, I suppose. It does. It's just I'm used to thinking you get through the Eastern Conference. Well, it was you get through the the West, and then you you pretty much like yeah i feel like the west is going to win it doesn't it hasn't felt like that the last couple of years for me that's all and maybe it's because two of the last three have have been um three of the last three. have been the penguins well but, um, i mean washington you know it has been a, a metro centric stanley cup mm. parade um, That's I, true. I'm not predicting that this year, though. <laughs> no. In fact, I would not put with... the Metro on the the bottom of my list of uh, yeah. teams. To whatever win comes it, out of because... the whatever that you Atlantic know. division is is terrifying. The top end of that. Well, Tampa's just fucking ridiculous. Who did nothing <laughs> at the trade <laughs> deadline? And you know no. what? Fuck it. <laughs> you don't yeah. need to. You're great. No. What? Just be. Continue being great. You're you're good. What a great spot yeah. to be in. Everybody's chasing us, and even if they do make moves to chase us, we're still in a great spot for the now, and we're not fucking up assets for the future. Yeah. So we it's, can it's continue a... to be great. Uh, and I mean, say say something bizarre happens, and they they lose in the first round. You've still got Boston and Toronto in there. Like that's the thing out of that Atlantic. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting. It, 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 it'll be nice to see how some of these trades shape up to um, the last 20 games, see how pieces fit, and it should be should be a good playoff on both both brackets. Even though we don't like the playoff system, uh, we'll get some good series, I think. Yeah. It, it's, which is, which it's, is what the NHL wants, but I don't think yeah. it's fair to the... The better teams? No. What's yeah, the point so, of 82 games if you're not going to get a benefit at the end? Well, I think I think that's it. Yeah. Sorry for the technical snafu towards nope. the end. Yeah. You know. 
we're not known as the most polished of podcasters in the hockey world, but <laughs> here we are. This is very true. We are not. So, but you did get two podcasts in like four days, which is pretty good for us. So, not too bad. Can't complain. Can't complain. So, iTunes reviews, patreon.com slash hockey hurts. Facebook. I've been doing, doing a little better there. And hockeybuzz.com. So, pretty pretty interesting trade deadline. Uh, yeah, Penguins. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> league wide though, very. Well, you gotta wait till he plays a game. Uh, yeah, he's only played <laughs> half a thousand of them. I'm sure he's gonna fucking turn into Bobby Orr. So, anyways. <laughs> We'll see you after Good Branson plays his first game. And then we'll be able to have an actual opinion. So until he plays that game, we'll see you next time. Bye.